Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Ah, good afternoon and welcome. Hope you had a fabulous, fabulous weekend. And away we go on this Monday, January 9th, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and want to put a face to this voice, you can do so because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines. Well, it was the end of a, a season, right? A season. The Saints lose to the Carolina Panthers 10 to 7, invert the score, and that gives you the Saints record 7 and 10. The Saints uh, lose, even though they held Sam Darnold to the lowest passer rating of his five year NFL career. 2.8, the second lowest rating by a passer in Panthers franchise history, and still the Saints somehow lost. Well, to lose a game like that, you have to be equally bad offensively, and the Saints were equally bad, to say the very, very least. The Saints failed to score a point on their final nine offensive drives of the game. They put it on their first four second-half possessions, and on their final series after a Daniel Sorensen interception put them in position for a game-winning field goal. They lost two yards in three plays and managed to run all of 16 seconds off the play clock. They are just not good. Andy Dalton, the numbers eh, don't always tell the story. He was 15 for 25 for 171 yards and a touchdown. He had a respectable passer rating of 93.9. But when it mattered most, he came up short. Eight third down attempts. Dalton failed to convert a single one. His lone third down completion covered a paltry one yard. That's how you lose a game when you hold the opposing quarterback to five completions for 32 yards passing. How bad is Sam Darnold? How bad are the Saints offensively? My gosh, it was just, they're awful. They're awful. Um, Dennis Allen, okay. Uh, look, this is Black Monday, right? And the NFL circuits, that's when you get handed your pink slip if things don't go your way. Cliff Kingsbury, out at Arizona. Lovey Smith, out at Houston. No such news coming out of the Saints camp. Um, but here's Dennis Allen after, after the game with his comments on how he characterized this 7-10 and 10 season. Look, I think challenging. I mean, um, we obviously didn't win as many games as, as, as we would have liked to. Um, I thought our guys fought and battled. I thought they overcame some adversity. You know, we, we, there, there's a handful of games there that, 
you know, I feel like if we would have been able to make a couple of critical plays, um, that those games would have the outcome of those games could and uh, could have been different. Um, and then I think we're, we're 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 talking a little bit differently in here. So, um, but that's the nature of the the uh, the game that we play, um, and so. Uh, we've got to find a way to be able to make the critical plays in the critical situations to give ourselves a chance to win the game. Uh, for the Saints, getting better on offense has to start with getting better at the quarterback position. This Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston combination, it's not good enough. Uh, Walt Dalton played okay in his 14-game uh, stint as the Saints starter. He did what he was asked to do, run the offense, avoid mistakes, keep the Saints in games. But how many – Good teams, great teams, play with a quarterback that's, you know, don't lose the game for us. They play with a quarterback that wins the game for you. So uh, the Saints have to do some evaluation. Uh, Mickey Loomis, the rest of the brain trusts, have to evaluate everything going forward. Uh, if they're smart, they'll start at quarterback. Meanwhile, Cam Jordan, the Saints' all-time sack leader, was asked, uh, what is your message to the team uh, as you head into this offseason? Take it to the offseason. Let this, let this loss burn. There's nothing to be proud of going 7-10. and 10. Um, may Not making the playoffs for the second time in a row. Let it burn. Let it let it stay in your mind. Let it simmer. Let it carry you over into your workouts. Let it carry you over into whatever you got to do to get your mind right. Um, take some time. Heal your body. And at the same time, let it let it be not even at the back of your mind. Let it be at the front of your mind. We have to be able to come in and take command from jump. You think about the entire season, what happens. Um, I think defense made some plays, but we could, there, if there's plays to be made, we can always make more. I think, that, you know, early on this this first half of the season, we didn't have enough turnovers. I think early on, you know, whatever it was, um, we were working on some things. Second half of the season, you saw a completely different energy around the team. And that's the energy you need from jump. Um, not to finish the way we wanted. It's going to be irksome for a while. Saints wrap it up. And we will see what they do from here. Meanwhile, across the street, the New Orleans Pelicans have lost two in a row. That combined with the fact that Denver has won two straight and Memphis has won six in a row. The Nuggets and the Grizzlies are tied atop the Western Conference of the NBA with a 26-13 and 13 record. The Pels are two and a half back at 24-16 and 16. tonight. They continue their road extravaganza, taking on the Washington Wizards. The Wizards are... 17 and 23. CJ McCollum should be back. Still no word on Brandon Ingram. We know Zion's going to be out for a while. Pels and the Wiz, Bradley Beal and company, tonight. LSU football on the recruiting trail. Bam, bam, bam. A couple of uh, transfer cornerbacks uh, committed to LSU. DJ Chestnut of Syracuse and J.K. Johnson of Ohio State. Um, Chestnut uh, earned All-American honors as a true impact freshman he started every game in his two years with syracuse recorded 83 tackles five tackles for loss and four interceptions johnson a four-star prospect took a medical red shirt in 21 he played in 10 games this past season um, and now he's reunited with his former DeSmet high out of st louis coach and current lsu cornerback coach robert steeples as well as his former teammate 
defensive lineman Wes Wingo. So both of these commitments came just hours after LSU cornerback Jarek Bernard Converse confirmed that he's entering the NFL draft. Uh, that was expected, uh, but it called to mind just how little depth LSU returns at the position. Freshman Terrence Welch, who played sparingly at best this past season and former Ohio state transfer seven banks who's been battling injuries the past two years are the only two cornerbacks from last season's team who will return along with Johnson and chestnut. The tigers also brought in cornerbacks, Denver Harris from Texas A&M and Zai Alexander from Southeastern. So with these two latest additions, LSU recruiting class now contains nine transfers along with 25, high school signees so we shall see about that they um they set the mark the most consecutive wins to start a season in program history kim mulkey and her lsu women's basketball team reigned undefeated 16 and 0 with a 67 48 win at kentucky um the team gets get better and better and better. The fact that Kim Mulkey's turned this program around in just a little less than two years is amazing. Uh, she's winning big. She started SEC play with wins by 24, 25, 40, and 19 points. So they're 4-0 in conference play, 16-0 overall. Tigers will remain on the road, look to keep the, uh, the streak going when they battle Missouri uh Thursday at 6 p.m. Uh, so that'll be that'll be a fun one. Uh, I want to give a shout out to former Zachary High quarterback Lindsey Scott, who signed with LSU in 2016. I I've made a joke about him. He's the Marco Polo of college football. Uh, after he left LSU, he went to East Mississippi Community College, then to Missouri, and then to Nickel State. Then to Incarnate Word. Now, after completing his seventh year of college, he was honored with the Walter Payton Award given to the top offensive player in the football championship subdivision. Um, he finished the season with an astounding 71 touchdowns, 60 passing, and 11 rushing. I uh, completed 71% of his passes for 4,800. 686 yards his 60 touchdown passes tied joe burrow for the most in a single season in division one good for you lindsey scott national championship game tonight the georgia bulldogs 13 point favorites over tcu we'll delve into that a little bit as well our guest list today chris roseverglue we'll talk about the saints um and the season that was glenn west will join us lsu basketball um got pummeled on the boards by texas a&m um suffered a, a beat down there we'll see where this program is we'll talk about kim mulkey's squad and we'll talk about uh, the scene at utah where the young college dudes wanted to see livy and it got a little bit out of hand. We'll talk about that. Adam Spencer will join us. Um, we'll talk SEC hoops. Alabama beat Kentucky by 26. Uh, by 26. Um, then we'll talk Georgia TCU with Adam. And then Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast will join us as well. And we'll talk about a myriad of things with him. So there you go. If you didn't get what you wanted from Santa, 
No worries. We have the gifts you really want in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. We also now have $40 gift cards to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard and a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. But you can only score these prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. We know the the NFL playoff matchups. We'll delve into that and much, much more as Chris Roseville joins us next here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back at uh, 18 minutes after the hour. The NFL playoffs are set starting Saturday, Super Wild Card Weekend. The seventh-seeded Seattle Seahawks at the number two-seeded San Francisco 49ers, followed by the fifth-seeded L.A. Chargers at the fourth-seeded Jacksonville Jaguars. On Sunday, the seventh-seeded Miami Dolphins at the number two-seed Buffalo Bills, the sixth-seeded New York Giants at number three-seeded Minnesota Vikings, and the nightcap, the six-seeded Baltimore Ravens at third-seeded Cincinnati. It all comes to a culminating end on Monday night. The fifth-seeded Cowboys are in Tampa Bay to take on the fourth-seeded Buccaneers. Obviously, no New Orleans Saints this year. Their season comes to an end after their loss yesterday. They are 7-10 and 10 overall. Chris Rose for glue to kind of sum things up for us. Uh, good afternoon, Chris. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing better than the Saints offense, probably. That's that's the only way I can sum it up for uh, for this Monday. But all is well. Hope all is well with you guys. Yeah, they just, uh, my goodness gracious, Sam Darnold's awful. The only way you lose to an awful quarterback like that is, is as you said, you you play so poorly on offense. What uh, wh- what happened there? You know, I think the the first half, the way it kind of concluded, not only put them in this the hole and and, and no set them up for the loss they had on Sunday, I think it kind of just showed what they've been this whole season, which they can move the ball. You know, when you look at the first half, they, they had a, a drive that got to the Carolinas 26. They ended up missing a field goal. They had another drive at Carolinas 26 yet again that ended up being a turnover on downs. And then you had another drive in Carolina territory where Chris Olave fumbles. And I think it just kind of boils down to something that I've been complaining about for a long time this season, which is the inability to kind of just put away your opponent when you have the chance. And the Saints defense obviously was excellent throughout the game. Uh, you can't really blame them for the way that, that this game went down. They did their job and then some. But I think those three drives to end the first half, when you're in enemy territory, yeah. uh, like I said, and those three drives, you get zero points out of those three, that's the problem. You know, we look at the numbers. The, the Saints dominated the total yards and total uh, time of possession in the first half, yet they had just a 7 nothing lead. That's a big issue, and unfortunately that's been something that even in the wins we saw this year, you look at the Eagles game, yeah, they dominate the first half. What do they have to show for it? Not as big of a lead as people thought they would. So uh, I think it's kind of been an underlying message and an issue that kind of plagued them this season. 
Are the Saints close to being a good team, or are they miles and miles away? Because when you look at it, um, a lot of injuries, skilled position people, quarterback. I mean, where are they? I think the Saints are kind of in that middle tier of you're kind of stuck in no man's land, and you can try to make that push to be an NFC South winner, which I, I think they're not far off from. Obviously, you, you change that Bucks game. This team's in the playoffs, not Tampa Bay. And, and I think for New Orleans, the division's not going to get better overnight. I actually think that you could even see a little bit of a regression. I think Atlanta's still trying to figure out what they are. Carolina's got some rebuilding to do. And Tampa Bay could lose Tom Brady this offseason. That would obviously put them in a tough hole. So if we're talking about can they win a division soon, I, I do think the Saints can win a division. You know, I think that they have to get a better quarterback in the building. They've got to make changes to the offensive staff. Uh, but even those changes, let's say they get a better offensive coordinator and they get a better quarterback in the building, I still don't know how high up the power rankings I can put them because they are still behind a team like Philly, a team like San Francisco, in terms of being in that upper echelon of contenders. But I would say they're they're closer to being a 10-7 team than they are the worst team in the league. That, that's where I'd have them at right now. Chris Roserglue with us. Not much talk was given, at least from what I heard. I'm sure you've delved into it greatly, but um, the restructuring of Michael Thomas's contract, what, what kind of signal did that send? And has he played his last game as a Saint? Yeah, I think it's kind of the unofficial way of, of kind of ending his tenure with the Saints because on March 17th, the third day of the new league year, they got a $32 million roster bonus that becomes fully guaranteed for the 2024 season. And, re- you know, realistically speaking, the Saints are not going to hand $32 million guaranteed to Michael Thomas when he's only played in three games in the last two seasons. And it's an unfortunate way to say that this whole kind of partnership ended, to say that it went through injuries and the setbacks and all that, because Michael Thomas, when healthy, is still a really, really good player. I mean, week one, he was fantastic. But uh, it's kind of a signaling of, yeah, that they're going to – ways it's just a matter of when does it happen it should happen before march 17th and do the saints put it with a june 1st a post june 1st designation if so i'll give them a little bit more cap space flexibility what can they get you think in return for if they trade him what can they get for him yeah that's you know that's an interesting question that's something a lot of us have been thinking about and i I think part of it comes down to our teams willing to take on that contract that michael thomas has and that's why a lot of people are kind of leaning towards a they'll probably just end up getting released. But because of that, if there is a trade market, let's say there's a team that doesn't know if they'll be able to sign him, if he's available to everyone, you want to get ahead of the curve, I'd imagine you probably, if you're the Saints, you try to ask for an early day three pick. Uh, I'd love to say day two. I'd love to say day one. But, you know, availability is important. And, unfortunately, the last three seasons have just been absolutely just riddled with injuries for Michael Thomas. So I don't think the trade value is extremely high for a player who realistically can still produce. It's just – there's so many concerns there, and the contract isn't exactly super team-friendly in terms of the guarantees on it. So uh, I do think that the, the trade value is not particularly high at the moment. Um, Jameis Winston, his contract's over with at the, after this season, correct? So the interesting thing about Jameis is he technically has another year under contract, but for the Saints, I believe the dead cap charge would be somewhere around $11 million, which isn't an awful lot. And I mean, Dennis okay. Allen, even today, kind of, the, the point across where, yeah, look, James Winston was hurt, but we feel like we had enough of an evaluation on him to say even if he was healthy, we're sticking with Andy Dalton. And 
when that kind of comes out, I feel like that's a sign that if you had to tell me which quarterback's going to be back next year, Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston, uh, I know some Saints fans wouldn't want to hear this, but I do think there's a better chance Andy Dalton will be back. I and I'd imagine Jameis Winston will be playing elsewhere. I, I agree. Um, Saints got to go get a quarterback, and I don't think they have the time to – Get a rook, get a, a rookie in the draft, and try to build that up. So I, th- I think they got to go find somebody who's out there. Um, but based upon what the Saints do offensively, <clears throat> you know the Saints have a quarter. Dennis Allen's a defensive guy. He's he's kind of the quarter, the coach. It appears to me that says, "Hey, look, quarterback, just manage the game. Don't lose it for us." How many good teams have a quarterback that plays like that? None in the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's a very fair argument, and I would say the one quarterback that who's kind of done that for the last couple of years, and they say, hey, manage the game, I would say is Jimmy Garoppolo, but the counter-argument would be, and it's, and it's kind of just crazy to see how this has unfolded, you can make an argument the 49ers have been better with Brock Purdy in that quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo this season, which makes you beg the question, well, you know, how good is Jimmy Garoppolo, and what's the ceiling with a guy like that? That being said, uh, yeah, that's, that seems to be the style that the Saints want to play. I don't... I don't think New Orleans is looking into being this high-flying offense. They, they want to play the kind of gritty-style football. Can they win games 24-14, to 24-17, kind of like around that range? That seems to be what they want, and I think that means that you're going to look into a guy like Jimmy G who will be a free agent. Maybe you look into Derek Carr if he gets released, and that would be my preference if I were the Saints. If, if Derek Carr gets released, that's probably who I would pursue since that's the, that's the type of football they want to play. But to your point... There aren't a lot of teams in the league right now that you look around and say, well, they got a great game manager. It's either they're trying to find a new quarterback or their quarterback's the one leading the charge on Sunday. So it's a weird spot to be in. Chris Rose with us. Um, a lot of decisions to be made this offseason. Uh, they've got to start at quarterback. they got to get a better philosophy on the offensive side of the ball. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, when you look at the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers couldn't get it done. The Dallas Cowboys stunk. Um, my goodness, Seattle's in there, but they got to go to San Francisco to play the 49ers. 49ers an early 10-point favorite in that one. Um, man. The 49ers are good, dude. They're good. They they are fantastic, and they're the type of team where if they can get over that Seahawks game, because first playoff game with Brock Purdy, obviously, you know, everyone kind of expects them to win. If they can get over that, playing a team a third time in the same season and get past that hurdle, I kind of like their chances to represent the NFC, and I think it's always about who's playing their best football, and they've won, I believe, like nine games in a row or, or something that of that magnitude. They've just been fantastic over the last couple of months of the season, and you know, a lot of it early in the year was relying on their defense. But if you look at the way the offense has played the last couple of weeks, you know, 30-plus against the Cardinals, 30-plus against the Raiders, they just find ways to score. And you look at their offense, and it's something that I, I love to see on a team like the Saints. Look at the playmakers they have. It's like, well, do I throw it to George Kittle or do I throw it to Christian McCaffrey? And if they're, they're you know, yeah. not open, do I go to Debo Samuel or do I go to Brandon Ayuk? I mean, they are just, you know, spoiled with elite weapons on, on the perimeter. And I think – that paired with a defense and a defensive coordinator who's probably going to be a top coaching candidate for a lot of jobs this year in D'Amico Ryans. They got a very good mix, and I think if they can just manage expectations against Seattle and get past that hurdle, that's probably who I like. They seem to be playing their best football out of anyone in the NFC. Here's Chris Rosevoglu. Um, Saints are done. Um, who's, your, who's your favorite to come out of the NFC? Who's your favorite to come out of the AFC to the Super Bowl? Yeah, for, for NFC, 
see. I'm just going to kind of keep it where, you know, I kind of hinted at before with the Niners. I just think the 49ers have just played such complete football over the last couple of months. And uh, and they're getting actually healthier at the right time. They're getting Elijah Mitchell back in. And, you know, he is another good back that they add to that system. They can take some pressure off of Christian McCaffrey. So I really like what the Niners have done there. As for the AFC, there's really two teams that I love right now. I mean, you know, you can never go wrong with picking the Chiefs. I think that the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and what they've done this year – so dynamic, but I don't know. Something tells me Joe Burrow once again is going to be a tough out, and I've kind of been torn between those two teams. And uh, I know, you know, obviously people are going to pick the Bills as well. That they're so dynamic, but the Bills for me over the last couple of months of the season, they play a little bit of sloppy football, and, and I think that could come back to bite them in the playoffs. Whereas the Bengals over the last two months have been the best team in the AFC, and if you know Cincinnati and Buffalo were able to finish that game last Monday night. If Cincinnati won that, you go into the playoffs knowing that Cincinnati would have beat Buffalo and Kansas City in the regular season. Yeah. That's obviously yeah. a huge confidence boost. I, I don't know. Something tells me to kind of stick with Joe Burrow, but I, I would not be shocked one bit if the Chiefs end up holding true and, and sticking in the AFC. But I'll, I'll lean with Burrow and the Bengals right now. Can't go wrong with that bet. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. We'll do it again. We'll see who uh, survives and advances in the playoffs. And Saints got some work to do. We'll see what happens. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, Jordy. You're the best. He's uh, he's always accommodating. He does a great job. Um, We're in the Mardi Gras season, so get it started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon Monday, February 20th. It's four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course served at the Adult Hydration Station. A party bus will follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time. Run all or some or none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest so bring your loudest craziest friends it's the lundy gras barathon free drinks food and prizes register now latrail.org time out glenn west joins us next talking all things lsu here on the jordy helper show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the lsu tigers and the world series champion houston they say shooters shoot he's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots and no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back. Um, LSU football gets a couple of commitments. LSU basketball needs to rebound better, and Kim Mulkey's women's team keeps on keeping on. And, boy, be careful when you have so many Instagram or uh, followers. uh, They will follow you literally and figuratively. Some of the things we will discuss now with our next guest from 247 Sports, our good friend Mr. Glenn West, kind enough to join us. Glenn, good afternoon, sir. Hey, Jordy, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific. So we got a myriad of things to talk about when it comes to LSU. Let's start with uh, with football uh, in a, at a much-needed position of need. Brian Kelly goes to the portal, gets a couple of cornerbacks in the fray. Yeah, so uh, LSU has added a commitment from Deuce Chestnut. He's a Syracuse transfer uh, out of the portal. He was a 2021 freshman All-American, a really solid football player that I think is going to be able to help uh, LSU's depth in the secondary. Uh, there's also another player that they're, they're still tracking, still no official word yet on, on J.K. Johnson. Uh, he's an Ohio State uh, transfer who was a former borderline five-star player a couple of years ago. So LSU's doing its 
uh, homework in terms of restocking the secondary. They've uh, got a really great freshman class coming in in the in the secondary, especially at cornerback. But um, everybody knows you, you've got to have some veteran leadership, some veteran voices in yeah. there. Uh, and so, you know, the addition of a guy like Chestnut with what you got with Denver Harris coming in and um, uh, seven banks returning. So uh, there's a number of guys now that I think LSU can really uh, kind of evaluate and study a little bit harder uh, once the spring gets here. All right. Um, has Matt McMahon called you up yet? No. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, look, um, no Texas breaking news on that front. Texas A&M's got two guys at six seven. That's it, and they still out rebound LSU thirty eight to twenty seven to get a help get a sixty nine fifty six loss in Reed Arena. Um, and Matt McMahon pulls no punches. They're twelve and three overall, one and two in the league. Says we got to figure out a way to get on the glass. And I I don't know. I've never had a coach that taught it. It was always go get it, and we yeah. never had a problem with that. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's a uh, rebounding is very much an effort thing. It's about knowing uh, which guys you're supposed to be boxing out and and what your assignment is on 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 defense. And so, um, look, I think one of the biggest issues right now for LSU is they just don't have a whole lot of size, and that's not really something you can teach or coach. Um, what you can teach and coach though is to have all of your players kind of give that same effort in terms of rebounding. And so um, I, I think, look, K.J. Williams and, and Derek Fountain, they're not all-star rebounders by any stretch of the imagination. They're your best options, though. Uh, and those guys have certainly had their ups and downs on the glass. But really what McMahon has been trying to, I think, communicate it, even at times through with the media, is that uh, the guards need to really start hammering the boards, and mm -hmm. they're just not getting it right now. They don't have a ton of size at the guard position. You're looking at Cam Hayes; he's six three on a good day. Uh, Justice Hill's six feet. Trey Hannibal's six one, six two. Um, so when you have, you know, when 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 opposing teams miss shots, you know, one of the one of the deals is that you know some of the guards get back in transition on defense, and so that. Uh, you know, theoretically gives you an opportunity as an, as a team to really go crash the glass and have right. an advantage there. So that's, I think what LSU is really trying to figure out um, with, with their rebounding. They really need those guards to step up and start helping those, those forwards uh, grab the boards. KJ Williams scores. It looks like Adam Miller's back into a decent flow scoring wise, but they they hardly ever seem to get three guys at the same time contributing on the offensive end. And, and, and you know, they, Look, they're scoring 56 points. That's not enough in this this era of college basketball. It's just not. Yeah, well, I think one of the strengths of this team and one of the things I've liked about this team is that they haven't had uh, a traditional, I guess, third score, but they've always had guys that can step up in from a game-to-game yeah. -game basis. And so you've seen it in times with Hannibal. You've seen it at times with Miller. Uh, I think really right now the only guy you can rely on consistently is K.J. Williams from an offensive perspective. Mm -hmm. And so that – that is, you know, that's a catch twenty two there because that's that's good that you have one reliable option. But if nobody's helping KJ out with the scoring, then you're going to get some of those lower uh, scoring outputs, you know, throughout the course of a season. So they have to figure it out. I think, you know, look, Adam Miller uh, drained nine triples uh, in those two games last week. I think that was a very positive sign. Uh, Hannibal had a really nice game against Kentucky. Just couldn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, he got in foul trouble against AM, couldn't really find it. Uh, Cam Hayes had a nice game against AM. So they have players that are capable of going out there and getting you 12, 13, 14 points. 
Um, but they just need somebody to be able to do it on a more consistent basis. Next up, the Florida Gators inside Pete's Palace. So hopefully the home court will uh, will provide an advantage. I, it doesn't seem like whether they play at home or on the road, Kim Mulkey's LSU team just keeps on keeping on. They've opened up 4-0 in the league, tw- winning by 24, 25, 40, and 19. They're 16-0, the best start in program history. Uh, it, lady can coax she can recruit they're just she's just amazing they're for real Uh, i think we talked about it a couple times this year as you want to see it against sec uh competition and uh the way they've handled their early start to sec play has been really impressive i mean they're just blowing the brakes off these teams right now angel reese uh is uh, a really special player i mean she had a 26 point 28 rebound effort uh, a couple weeks ago those are numbers that haven't been seen here since yep. sylvia fowles was on campus so right, right. uh they, there's there's a lot of really positive momentum with this team right now and uh yeah just just really great vibes and you know i don't expect them to lose anytime soon either i mean i think they're all everybody's kind of got their eyes set on that south carolina matchup february 12th i just don't see a whole lot of losses between now and then is that here or is that in Columbia? That's at South Carolina. So they, South played, Carolina. they played okay. LSU with South right. Carolina played here last year. That's so right. There this year. I'm going to say this, and I know Angel Reese is a very good player, um, but I'm telling you, the best player on that team is Flo J. Johnson. T- she's the she's the second coming. I don't want to be blasphemous here. She's the second coming of Simone Augustus. She can rebound it. She can bring it up the floor. She can shoot it from outside. She can get in the lane and take it to the rim. Girl's a freshman, but girl can play. And you can just see her confidence level increasing, increasing, increasing. Uh, When they come back home to play, uh, they're going to unveil the Simone Augustus statue. I'm telling you, this girl's the closest thing LSU's had to her. Yeah, she's really uh, a phenomenal talent. I mean, I think she was shooting 40% from three uh, heading into this week's slate of games. So you can tell she's confident on the perimeter. Uh, you just take one look at her jump shot, too. I mean, it's it's something that's real. It's a man's sweet. jump I mean, shot. It is, yeah. a, it is a, yes. It's and I don't a really mean that great in a bad way. Shot. No, no, it's a really great jump shot. And she uh, absolutely is the catalyst, I think, of this program moving forward. And yes. so. Uh, you you add her and you got you know I think the number one player in 2023 coming in next year so you got some uh, real firepower there I think uh, over the next several years in Baton Rouge with those two leading the helm but this year is going to be I think a, an equally special season I mean Angel Reese I think is that veteran presence you needed there and she's a superstar player in her own right so lots of lots of positive vibes like we talked about coming from women's basketball right now. With every positive thing, sometimes there is an equally equivalent negative side of things, and we've seen it already. Um, God bless her. Olivia Dunn, the LSU gymnast with over 2.7 million followers on Instagram. They go to Utah for the season opener. Utah's a really good gymnastics team. All of a sudden, you look in the stands, and apparently there is nothing but young college male students in the audience and they're all wanting her they're all wanting pictures of her they're all wanting uh autographs from her and it apparently it got to be a pretty big to do yeah it was a pretty serious situation there i um don't know a lot of the specifics of what happened but you saw a couple of clips there some really um just foul language i think being directed towards her and uh, towards, you know, I mean, she, she took to her social media platforms afterwards to 
kind of settle the troops and say, hey, thanks for, you know, all y'all's support and everything. But uh, we've got, you know, game, we got matches to win. And, and you know, look, I'm I'm a gymnast here at LSU and uh, it's just like to be treated with a little bit more respect. So, um, you know, nothing uh, crazy there. I think she, you know, she, she's defending herself, which is, I think, a really sad situation she had to be put in in the first place. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, she's uh, one of the, you know, kind of, you talk about you know model athletes in terms of just mm-hmm. got, uh, you know athlete, student athletes that are really you know taking advantage of this nil opportunity. She's she's one that's really doing that right now, and so that comes with a lot of extra notoriety. And um, you know you just you, you hate to see that kind of stuff happen, though. Uh, when you get TMZ involved, you know it's never good. It's always, um, uh, you know, pop culture journalism. Apparently, it, uh, LSU had to move their team bus to avoid. You know, when 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 I did the NBA games, after games, when you when you would leave the arena, there'd be all kinds of people behind barricades and wanting pictures, autographs, uh, this, that, and the other. And that was a very similar scene to this. And they had to move. The, the barricades, they had to get police positioned. So, um, yeah, they're going to have to treat this with, with care and, uh, and figure out what to do. It's just it's a shame the girl yeah. didn't ask for it, um, nope. but she's got all this fame and all this money now, and people want a piece of it. Welcome to, welcome to stardom, as they say. Glenn knows all about that. I was maybe uh, the second or third best player on my high school team, so I'm not. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, looks like Alabama and Tennessee are the cream of the crop of the SEC. Alabama destroyed Kentucky, uh, destroyed them. So we'll see. That seems to be the upper tier. Then the whole bunch of teams in the middle tier, including LSU. We'll see how that all all unfolds. But tonight's the end of the college football season. Georgia, TCU, the dogs are favored by 13 over the Frogs. What do you think? I think it's probably a pretty uh, lopsided matchup. Um, Georgia's just been a team of destiny really all year. They've got a great uh, program. And, look, I think uh, TCU had had a really nice weekend last weekend, but there was a lot of issues that I think you can – see Georgia being able to take advantage of. And so um, I I do think this is going to be kind of a lopsided matchup. I think I have uh, Georgia winning in the 38-23 range. Um, I just really like their defense and uh, what they're going to be able to do with TCU. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm just not sure. I just, I think I need to see TCU play one more time for me to actually believe this is a a Cinderella run that's uh, really worth it. Well, they've, they've gotten to the championship game. They're pretty good, but we, yeah. we should see. Um, look, I, I've said this, but I want your opinion. Alabama loses their quarterback. Tennessee loses their quarterback. Georgia's losing their quarterback. Uh, Kentucky's losing. There's a lot of quarterbacks that were stars that aren't going to be in the SEC next year. LSU's got theirs coming back, um, and they got a pretty good one behind them. They may play both of them. Who knows um, if if they all stick around? But man, doesn't that elevate LSU to the top of the class in the West? Uh, you'd think so. You'd think they'd definitely be one of those teams that's favored uh, to come out of the West next year. I'm just uh, you know until Alabama kind of situates their 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 quarterback room. Mm-hmm. Hard to know what you're going to get from them next year. Um, I, I think LSU has every opportunity to win the SEC next year. Uh, they 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 have some really talented players returning. Um, you never know what can happen between now and the end of spring. Um, but you know, look, I think 
just kind of alluding to the Nussmeyer situation there. Does mm-hmm. he end up going somewhere else? And is that place an SEC school? You never know. So uh, I, I just I think there's just a lot that has to play out between now and next year. But uh, the the strength of this team is going to lie in its offense. It's going to be how much uh, more offseason camaraderie and chemistry that uh, Jaden Daniels can have with these weapons that he has returning to him and all these newcomers that are uh, going to really be competing for some playing time as well. So uh, it's a really exciting time. I think LSU absolutely is going to be a, a heavy favorite coming out of the SEC next year. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, they got a lot of players returning. They got, they got some question marks here and there, but uh, if they can get – as many freshmen to contribute like they did this year, I think LSU is going to be really, really good. Oh, yeah. But, but I've been wrong before, so we'll see. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they have a number of freshman talent here that uh, is going to be on campus here starting in January, so starting next week when they start classes back up. Um, you know, these months now, but between now and the and, and start of spring, uh, that's where a guy like Will Campbell won the starting job last year. Yeah. So I'm sure yeah. there's – going to be a few of those guys on the defensive line, maybe in the secondary, that they can really show this staff something early in their careers. I like the bravado of Zalance Hurd. Uh, he mm-hmm. said, I'm playing tackle. <laughs> I'm playing tackle. Okay, well, we got two pretty good. Maybe, maybe uh, Emory Jones moves into the guard spot on the right side. and Maybe they get even better from that if, if this kid lives up to the billing. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Zalance Hurd is a guy who won't be here until the summer, so you'll have to uh, you know make up some – some ground pretty quickly here after the the spring semester. So, um, but he's absolutely got the talent. I mean, he he just came off an All American week where he was one of the top performers uh, at the All American Bowl in Orlando. Um, so he's yeah he's going to come in with a lot of hype and a lot of expectations. And uh, I think what you saw last year was Brad Davis, the O line coach, is a guy who can develop these guys pretty quickly. Got to tell you. I don't know when this that rule came about or when you went who invented that thing where you can uh you know finish your high school career mid you know in december and go to your college and i I just don't like that i I think the kids need to need to relax need to go to their prom go enjoy go to their senior graduate i'm against that rule i don't know who brought it up how it came about but i'm totally against it i'm sorry i am i know football coaches love it i hate it well, how about the the rule where you can uh, reclassify to an earlier signing? That's even class? more ridiculous. I mean, Desmond Ricks, the the guy that LSU was planning on uh, <laughs> trying to get on board, he he theoretically going into his second semester of his junior year, and now crazy he's on campus at Alabama. So, like, that's I mean, that's just kind of where we're at. I mean, I think a lot of the scenarios there is just yeah. guys being able to ingratiate themselves with the program early. Don't be- don't be calling them student athletes anymore. Please don't. <laughs> nope. They're athletes who happen to be students. Yeah. Maybe. I agree. Maybe. Yep. Uh, it's just ridiculous. True. All right, Glenn West, 247 Sports, you're the best. Let's get this basketball team rebounding. Let's find a consistent third score, yeah. and we'll be okay. Everything else is in place. So Florida, Tuesday, 6 p.m., uh, inside Peach Palace. Thank you, my friend. Hey, when, when's the Maravich statue? When's that coming? That actually is already up. So that was last last summer. I want to say. Uh, I want to say. Yeah, I think so. Maravich went up like no. last. Oh yes, August. it is. 
Yeah. Of course, I was there. Shoot. I yeah. was there. Never mind. <laughs> Man, I'm lost. I'm lost. Okay. All right. Long first day. If you got one moment you got there. A long Blind week moment. ahead of you, Jordy. Blind moment. Okay. What little's left. All right, buddy. Thank you All so right. much, Glenn. All right. Take care, man. Glenn West, 247 Sport. What the heck was I thinking? Sheesh. Uh, now that you scored an Amazon Alexa, wow, or Google Home Smart Speaker for Christmas, you can now listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, at your home, and everywhere you go. We're back to wrap up our number one next here on the Jordy Helper Show. God, what a what a comment. We're back. As we wrap up our number one of the program, coming up our number two, we'll uh, talk with Adam Spencer about SEC basketball, get his thoughts on the national championship game uh, tonight between Georgia and TCU, dogs versus frogs. Something tells me TCU is not going to be that easy to, to, to beat. I, you know, Vegas is pretty smart. They got him 13. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast will join us as well. We'll talk more about uh, LSU football and some offseason plans for uh, Brian Kelly and his staff. So we'll deal with all of that. Uh, that's coming up your way. One hour down, one to go. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Two. And away we go on this Monday, January 9th, the year 2023. Hope you had a fabulous weekend. We're off to a very nice start. Beautiful day. The day's gotten better. It's a little chillier, right? A little chillier, but uh, we are good to go. We've got uh, uh, an SEC team in the national championship game of college football yet again. Can the Georgia Bulldogs go back to back? It appears we've got two really good teams in, in the SEC when it comes to men soups and then uh there's a second tier after that um and and we'll we'll talk a little uh other things around the sec with our good friend from uh, saturday down south as we begin our number two mr adam spencer joining us uh happy monday adam how you been my friend i've been good just uh getting ready for for this national title game should be a good one tonight yeah, um, boy, very seldom do you see a, a, a point spread quite like that with teams that have gone through the gauntlet like both Georgia and TCU have. Are you surprised that Georgia's a double-digit favorite in this one? I am a little bit. I think that uh, I think that TCU deserves a little bit more respect. They played a, mm-hmm. a tough schedule in the Big 12. It wasn't, you know, as tough as an SEC schedule, but uh, I think that TCU has proven that they deserve some some love here. I mean, there's a you know I think it is down to thirteen and a half the point spread, but when it was up at like fourteen and a half, that was that was a bit too much, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, you know, I, I would probably have it around ten. 
All right, 10. Okay. Um, all the way out to California. Um, neither team has an advantage there. I mean, that's uh that's a long way to go to play to play a football game. So uh we'll see who handles it. I guess I guess the key TCU is all about uh, the quarterback and how well he plays it. Look, TCU showed me against Michigan. Hey, we can go. We can go in the center of the ring and punch you, punch for punch, and their physicality showed out. That's normally where the SEC has the advantage in games like that. Where, where do you see Georgia's advantage in this one? I think that you know Georgia's advantage is with Stetson Bennett. I mean, I think that the offense has some weapons that they can uh, exploit. Um, And, you know, if you just get it to that fourth quarter and it's close, I mean, I just really think that Stetson Bennett has proven time and time again, especially in the playoff, that uh, he can handle these clutch situations and stay calm and uh, do make the plays that need to be made to uh, put Georgia in position to win. So, you know, I think that that's the advantage that Georgia has. I think that uh, Stetson Bennett is going to have a big game that receiving core is getting a little bit healthier at the right time. And, uh, you know, they still have Brock Bowers. We'll see if they remember that they have him on the roster this this game. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, he's an X factor. And uh, the running game is consistent. Uh, and they have just several backs that they can throw at you. And uh, TCU's back, Kendra Miller, is a little banged up, even if he yeah. does play tonight. So, yeah, I just think that that Georgia offense uh, doesn't necessarily get the respect that it deserves sometimes, and uh, and I think that that's going to be the biggest uh, key to the game is how early that game gets go or that uh, that team gets going on on offense. Do you give any value whatsoever to the fact that Georgia has been there and done that? Their coaching staff kind of understands the lay of the land. I could I could see that, but then I go back to like when LSU in 2019 they hadn't been to a championship game. It didn't it, the inexperience didn't bother them. Um, TCU hadn't been there. Um, do you give any value any weight to that with Georgia? Uh, I do, and I think that, uh, you know, they have a little more motivation, too, especially on defense. You know, a lot of these guys that uh, are contributors on defense this year didn't necessarily play big roles uh, last year, but True. they still got the experience. They still, True. you know, they still went through the, the ringer with uh, with all of the the championship preparation and stuff. So they know how to prepare. They know how to they know how to work. They know how to win. Um, so I, I do think that there's a benefit for a lot of these guys who, cause, you know, this isn't a team of transfers. You know, this this is a team that didn't bring in anybody in the transfer portal this past off season, and uh, you know, so, so these guys have all been there, and uh, and you know, so I think that they will draw on this experience from last year, and uh, and you know, come out a little bit less jittery than TCU tonight. Everybody says Georgia's susceptible to the pass, but last time I looked, Georgia's undefeated, and they're uh, they're back in the national championship game. TCU has some talented wide receivers, no question about that. If you give Duggan time, uh, he's pretty good. So I guess pressure him and just keep pounding him and hitting him and hitting him. That's probably the goal of Georgia. Yeah, I think that uh, you do have to you have to keep. Max Duggan off off schedule. You have to keep him uncomfortable in the pocket. And, but he's just he's a good player. He's going to make plays. So it's just about you know it, it's just about um, keeping making one more big play. You know, like Max Duggan is going to throw a couple touchdown passes at least tonight, probably. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, Georgia has some talented safeties that know how to get in the passing lane. So, you know, if they can snag an interception or two as well, then, you know, that bodes really well for for uh, for Georgia. So, you know, he, he's going to make plays. He's going to drive the team down the field. He's going to put up numbers with his arm and with his legs. But, uh, you know, Georgia's just got to take advantage of the opportunities to uh, to force things defensively and make it and, you know, grab a turnover when, when they're available. And there will be two or three opportunities for that tonight. Um. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. We, we're talking Georgia, but of course, I got to bring up Alabama. Houston fired their coach, Lovey Smith, because he won a game and they lost the number one pick in the draft. But that goes to Chicago. But Chicago has a quarterback that they think can play. So they're not going to draft Bryce Young out of Alabama. They're kind of probably going to get Will Anderson and then Houston's going to get Bryce Young. Seems to be the, the two top picks in the draft, I think. Well, I would think that uh, Chicago would trade out of that number one pick. You know, it depends on uh, what the Colts want to do, really, because, you know, they could be in a spot where they're the ones that could trade up. And uh, if they want, if they really like Bryce Young during the uh, pre-draft process, I could see them trading up, you know, giving up next year's number one pick and, uh, you know, maybe a a player or something just to to go. To go up and get Bryce Young, and uh, and I think that that's that's the danger that Houston put itself in because right. Chicago now holds all the cards, and you know if they don't, they could still trade down to three or four or five, and probably still get uh, still get Will Anderson, depending on what the draft order is and what those team needs are. So I, I think that uh, you know, I, I just I just think that Houston really hurt itself there because uh, unless they're the ones that trade up which is going to cost them some draft capital, right. then uh, somebody's going to make a move with Chicago. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, got fired for winning the game. All right. Um, Alabama blew the doors off of Kentucky. Has has the Calipari-Kentucky marriage, is that – I mean, everybody, unless you're Jim Beheim or Mike Krzyzewski, been there at school forever – I'm hearing more and more rumblings of unhappiness uh, there. Do you think that's run its course, or it's running its course? I I think it I think it is. You know, I just I just think that uh, this Kentucky team has underachieved so much in recent years, and looks like an absolute disaster this year. With and when you return the National Player of the Year, like you should. You shouldn't you shouldn't be losing games like this the way that they're losing like they weren't even close to Alabama's level on on Saturday and it just, that was that was embarrassing uh, you know so there's there's a chance if if I'm Coach Cal and uh, you know I I think that it's run its course in Lexington you know there's there's an out you know you could go down to Texas and take that job and uh, you know just a change of yeah. scenery might be might be what what he needs to revitalize his career. And, uh, you know, Kentucky will have plenty of top tier coaches that, uh, would be in the mix for that job. So, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what way they go, but, uh, you know, I just really think that, uh, that, yeah, something's got to change in Kentucky uh, or, you know, things are going to just continue down this path that, uh, you know, nobody in Lexington is going to like. 
or Alabama's really good. Tennessee's really good. Texas A&M is uh, 2-0 and in the league. Your your Missouri Tigers are 2-1. and I'm not sold on Auburn at all. It just, it just seems like it's Alabama and Tennessee, Tier 1, and then there's a bunch of teams, Tier 2. Arkansas's dropped to 1-2 and two in the league. I think they're still a, a really good team. Um, it's still very, very early. Uh, how would you rank the top five in the league right now from what you've seen? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Alabama's the number one, clearly. Um, mm-hmm. I would put Tennessee at number two. And then, yeah, I mean, right now you've got to have, probably got to have Auburn up there. Mizzou's got to be in there. And, uh, you know, maybe still Arkansas. I'm not 100% sure. LSU could be in there, you could argue. Um, you know, I just, I just think that, uh, you know, the, the top two is definitely Alabama and Kentucky in that order, or Alabama and Tennessee in that order. Yeah. Kentucky's nowhere yeah. near the top two, my mistake. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's Alabama and Tennessee, and then I would probably put Mizzou at number three right now. A um, little bit of a homer. Sure. No, but they're a fun team to watch. Guy, but uh, I think that they deserve that right now, and uh, they've been playing some fun basketball. They are a fun team to watch, Mizzou. I think I, I'm I'm friends with Kermit Davis Jr. out there at Ole Miss, but I think this is going to be his end end of his run. I think he's going to be a casualty unless they turn this thing around this season. But they're eight and seven, zero oh and three in the league. South Carolina's got a new coach in Lamont Paris, so they're going to give him some time. Uh, Florida has a new coach, so they can give him some time. Uh, but I, I think uh, Kermit Davis Jr. his his days are are numbered. Uh, over there at the pavilion. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, he's probably on the hottest seat in the SEC right now. And then, yeah, behind him, I mean, it's probably Calipari at uh, Kentucky, yeah. honestly, just because yeah. of, A, you know, just so much turnover in the coaching ranks recently in the SEC. And then also, yeah, just the the, the situation that Kentucky finds itself in. So, I mean, I, I and I don't think that Calipari would be fired. I think that he would have to move on of his own accord because I don't think that, Kentucky has that much uh, buyout money laying around. Right. They don't have the right. oil money that uh, that Texas A and M has. But uh, you know, well, it, it could get interesting in a hurry uh, there, especially if uh, if that that Kentucky job opens. But uh, yeah, I think Kermit Davis is probably in his last year in Oxford. Bring back Patino to to the Commonwealth. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was something. Uh, um, anything else around the league that uh, that we should know about or inquire about? Anything else happening? Oh, I know what I, mean, I want to ask you. Um, Greg Sankey at the national championship gathering said, uh, you know, look, it's not up to us. It's up to Texas, Oklahoma, and the Big 12. Everybody's thinking, and I'm I'm the biggest one to blame. I'm going, there's no way they're going to stick around that conference. Um, they got to figure out a way to get to the SEC quickly. I still believe that's going to happen. Um, so I, what do you think about that? When, when does UCLA and USC join the Big 12? I mean, the Big 10. I think that they join in 2024. Uh, so I would think that, uh, that that would be when, when Texas and Oklahoma would, uh, would need to make the move too. Okay. And, uh, you know, the Big 12 commissioner this week said that he's open to discussions involving Texas and Oklahoma lo- leaving by, uh, 2024. So I think that we could see over the next few months, I think we should, we could and probably will see some movement in that direction. I, I think that it makes Inevitable. too much sense yeah. for it to happen. And uh, I, I think that we'll see them join the SEC in 2024. 
I'm with you. I agree. It's it's got to happen. They can't continue to linger and linger and linger. It's just not good for anybody. It's not good for anybody. So so we shall see. All right. Uh, early in the basketball season, um, the very end of the college football season. I think baseball season is going to be great as always. But you got Georgia winning by two touchdowns. You said. I've got them winning by like ten. I think. I I think that they'll comfortably win, but uh, I do think that TC will put up a, a few more points than people think that they'll put up tonight. So I think it's going to be close, but uh, Georgia pulls off a double digit win. All right, Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. Thank you, sir. Always have. Uh, always appreciate your um, your expertise, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Jordy. I'll talk to you soon. You got it, my friend. Um, we'll take a little time out here. We'll come back with much, much more. Um, 17 minutes after the hour, 16 minutes after the hour on this January 9th. Hope you're having a fantastic day. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Stay with us. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, we welcome you back. Uh, Black Monday on the NFL. The Arizona Cardinals fired Cliff Kingsbury, their general manager. Kime is stepping down as well. Steve Kime is stepping down. Lovey Smith fired today from the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, that's all at this point and time. Um, but it just happens. It just happens. It's, it's inevitable. Um Doctors who treated DeMar Hamlin said the Bills' safety was back in Buffalo today, uh, showing some remarkable progress that he has made a week after going into cardiac arrest and having to be resuscitated on the field during a game in Cincinnati. And what a show it was of support for him as the Bills uh, took care of business against the New England Patriots and secured the number uh, uh, one seed in the in the AFC. Yes, um, Houston is back at number one in the men's um, Associated Press College basketball poll, which um, really revolves and rotates constantly. Kansas at number two, Purdue at number three, and then two SEC schools. Uh, Alabama goes, moves up to number four, Tennessee at number five. UConn flirted at number one for a little while. They dropped down to number six. Great to see UCLA being good there at number seven. Gonzaga eight, Arizona nine, and Texas, despite the fact that their coach was fired with cause, is at number two. 10. Arkansas comes in at number 15. Missouri at number 20. Auburn at number 21. Remember, LSU was like um, one of the first teams out, uh, but but a couple of losses and they're they're dropped down significantly. Um, in into the NFL, uh, we know the the playoff matchups, and thank you to the Detroit Lions. Thank you. Uh, they went into Lambeau Field and beat the Green Bay Packers and knocked Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, the best thing for the Packers is to find a find another place for Aaron Rodgers. They, that it's just it's not going to work. 
it's not going to work. He needs to go somewhere else or retire. He's got so much money. He doesn't need it. Um, he, he just doesn't. So um, anyway, I'm thrilled that they lost and that puts Seattle in the playoffs um, and they will take on the 49ers division rivals. They play each other twice a year. Um, Back in week two, the Niners beat the Seahawks 27 to seven. The Niners follow that up with a week 15, 21, 13 win. Um, So, We'll see. Can this rookie quarterback continue to flourish under the system of the 49ers? A stat. The only thing maybe working in Seattle's favor is the fact that rookie quarterbacks tend to struggle in the playoffs going 9 and 18 since 1983. Uh, That's the first game on Saturday. The second game on Saturday, the Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars, a rematch of one of the most surprising games of the year. Back in week three, the Jags destroyed the Chargers 38 to 10 in L.A. Trevor Lawrence threw three touchdowns on the day. The Jags put up 413 yards of total offense. So when they look at the tape and in the NFL, you generally get um, four games. And generally, they're the last four games that have been played to show tendencies, but they'll show this one from week three, and they'll be very, very comfortable and confident in this one. Uh, another division rivalry on Sunday, the Bills hosting the Dolphins. Um, they split their season series with each team winning at home. Uh, both games were decided by three points or less. The big question mark here, who's going to be the quarterback for the Dolphins? Tua with the concussion Bridgewater with a finger both banged up if they can't go Skylar Thompson will get the start advantage bills they need Tua healthy um to provide the offensive spark on that one the Giants at the Vikings are game two on Sunday uh these two played one of the wildest games of the season on Christmas Eve uh it wasn't decided until Greg Joseph had a 61 yard field goal on the final play this will be Minnesota's first home playoff game since the Minneapolis miracle, January 2018. I like the Giants in this one. I think the Vikings have lived on borrowed time. I really do. I like the Giants. Ravens at the Bengals. It's not clear if Lamar Jackson with the knee issue is going to play on Sunday. But even if he does, man, it's his first action in six weeks. Now, Jackson did lead the Ravens to a 1917 win over the Bengals back in week five. Bengals weren't clicking there. Week 18, Bengals got their revenge 27-16 to split the season series. Give me Joe Burrow. And then Monday, how bad did the Cowboys look in a loss? And how the Buccaneers just played out the string. Uh, That's the Monday night matchup. Um. If the Cowboys are going to advance to the division round, they're going to have to do something they've never, ever done. They got to beat Tom Brady. The Cowboys are 0 and 7 all time against Brady. All time. And that includes a week one loss where Tampa Bay beat the uh, Cowboys 19 to 3. The Cowboys are the weight, the pressure. Oh my God. It's all on them. They. I mean, they bobble a snap on a punt. They bobble a a, a punt return. They fumble them both. Um, 
God, Dak Prescott didn't look good. <sighs> they got to beat the, the, the jinx of Brady. They're 0-7 all time against him. We shall see. And, of course, um, the Eagles and the Bills are, I mean, the Chiefs, rather, uh, have the number one seed and the bye. They get to sit back, relax, and uh, and wait. So we've got two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, one game on Monday. Um, the divisional round will be Saturday and Sunday of next week. The Chiefs and Eagles will be hosting a game. Um, so you got that one. Championship Sunday, the NFC Championship on January 29th. Uh, that's the early game. And then the AFC, the second game on that night. And the Super Bowl is February the 12th. And that will be at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Will Sean Payton be the coach? Um, who knows? Arizona's available. Um we know that Denver's asked permission to interview Sean Payton. We know that Carolina is in the mix, and they're interested in Sean Payton as well. That's three for sure. So let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what happens on uh, that front. So, um, yeah, I think the hottest team going into this thing are the 49ers, followed by the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, that I think they're that hot, and they might, they might not be the best teams. Everybody's still putting all their money on the Chiefs. They're having those buys are are very important. The Bills, thirteen and three, um, boy, they've got something to play for, don't they? I mean, and they'll be at home, and that home field, that Bills Mafia is something. Uh, but they don't have Von Miller anymore. Uh, but you gotta like their. Ch- it's gonna be a great. Great playoff run, no question. Can can Brock Purdy continue in the Kyle Shanahan highly esteemed system? Can he keep it going? He's got the confidence. Um, he sure looked poised, and he sure looks like he can throw it. He's got great weapons, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, He's got a defense with DeMarco Ryans and Nick Bosa. I'm telling you, these 49ers are something. But Purdy, um, 23 years young, the brightest of the brightest lights are about to shine on him. How does he handle it? That's what the pressure of the playoffs is all about. It's all about. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Um Blake Rafino will join us in just a minute from the RU Serious podcast after this timeout uh, here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for those LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Stay with us. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. 
As we uh, freeze the wild, 333 on this Monday, January 9th, National Championship Night um, of college football out there at SoFi in Los Angeles. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs versus the TCU Horned Frogs, which means there's a whole lot of teams that are gearing up for next season. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcaster, dealing with all things LSU. Kind enough to join us. Uh, Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Happy New Year. How are you, Jordy? I'm terrific. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Just, the family's uh, you know, good? Uh, How's that little one? Doing good. Just, you know, getting big and, um, <laughs> you know, just we're just adjusting. Well, as long as the little one's healthy, that's that's good. Um, LSU football, position of need. Looks like they got a couple of uh, at least one commitment and hopefully another one on the way uh, from Syracuse and from Ohio State. It's pretty good. Yeah, and look, Jordan, I think, you know, with that too, multiple, all of them have multiple years to play, right? And so, um, or can play, I should say. So I, I think for... For that alone, you go out because LSU is going to have to establish themselves back in the high school ranks at that position. They've already started to do that. But to be a competitor, to be a top-five team, you need starters and you need them now. It's like J.G. Wentworth. It's my money, I need it now, but LSU's is I need starters at DB, and I need them now. So you go out and get Zion Alexander. You go out and get Denver Harris. You go out and get Deuce Chestnut. You go out and get J.K. Johnson. So, so Jordy, on that end alone, they're fine. Okay, yeah. I, I could make the argument right now that they've upgraded. And how they've upgraded, I, I kind of think significantly. I think Zy Alexander was a guy who nobody really talked about and is not going to talk about in this process because he comes from Southeastern. But I will tell you, as someone who graduated there, played football there, Jordan, he's the best cover corner that they picked up. It's not close. Okay. okay. The reason being is Power 5 teams in Southeastern played them, group of five teams, stopped throwing in his general direction. Lindsey's kind of had 60, 68 total touchdowns. Didn't throw in his general direction. Why? Because if, he, if you threw at him, it got picked. He's a long, lengthy corner with, a, with really elite speed, at least okay. what we've seen on the field. As elite speed, you go out and get Deuce Chestnut and J.K. and J.K. Johnson. Both have been, you know, uh, recorded at the four-three speed. And then you get Denver Harris, who a lot of people knew if he didn't have off-the-field issues would have been a, a, a pre, a really just a freshman All-American the way he was playing. So, Jordy, they they they've gotten better there. And then you bring in the freshman class, who who is really good as well. So. They, I, I think that they've upgraded in a massive way, uh, and at that position, and you got to give Robert Stephens and Sherman Wilson a lot of credit here for and Brian and Brian Kelly. You know, Jordy, in the past, LSU has not had a backup plan, right? They right. missed on a five-star recruit. They didn't have a backup plan. It's funny what happens when you have a grown-up in charge. I'm with you. <laughs> Blake Rafino with us. It seems to me, all right, you you got the back end. You feel very good about that. Um, the linebacker group, how, how do you feel about that at this point in time? Uh, so I, I had two schools of thought. No, number one, and I, Jordan, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll say it on your show. LSU did hold, host a 
transfer portal linebacker. Don't ask me to pronounce his name. It's Ovi. I can't. Jordy, I, I will butcher okay. his last name. I can't. Okay. So they they are entertaining, but they must feel some type of way about that position more than the general fan does. Okay. Because the the reason I say that, Jordan, what did they what did they try to go after? They try to go after a center they missed, but they really didn't need one because Marlon Martinez showed that he, he he's really thinking good. Oh, and Charles Turner has gotten a lot better. They All needed right. they needed corner help. What did they go and do? They went and got it. Yeah. They they needed D line help. What did they do? They went and got it. So, Jordan, why not linebacker? You know, I, I mean, it's not as if that there hasn't been some really good linebackers in the portal. Now, either, the, number one, they know something that we don't, or, number two, they they just don't think that there's any guys out there in the portal right now that should be a part of this team. So, I'm going to go with the first one, though. I, I think that they feel as if, they have dudes there. Now, will that translate? I don't know. I, now, I will give West Weeks a little bit of credit here. He kind of started playing a lot better as the season goes went on. When he would get in the rotations, got a lot of speed. The physicality hurt him a little bit. But the ultimate question is going to be, now, I don't think that they will do this, nor should they do this. What do you do with Harold Perkins? Right. Okay? That was my next question. And so – and so, if I think that they're showing you that they feel that if Harold Perkins can gain five, ten pounds of muscle in the off season, Jordan, there might be a chance he moves in the middle. And you, and then what you do with him on a third down situation, you move him. You Micah Parsons him. You move him yeah. to the outside. You let the West Weeks, who's really, really good in coverage, what we've seen. Maybe you put him out there. You, you do something different there. Okay, so with all that being said, I don't, I, I don't. Sp- now, Matt House did that at Kansas City, and he did it at Kentucky, where he really rotated and utilized the backers and the guys' skill sets, where there really wasn't a maintain of one just true inside linebacker, middle guy. Now, where does that hurt you? It hurts you on fourth and one. It hurts you on third and two. Okay, so. I know that we're not in the league anymore by formation, but you still play teams that can that can do that. So mm-hmm. I know that's a mouth that's a mouthful, but Jordy, there's no other way to determine that that's what they're doing other than seeing it on the wall. You know, Brian Kelly sends messages, and he sends them by actions, not words, which I like really. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Uh, Blake Rafino, the RU Serious Podcast, joins us on Mondays at this time slot, and we're thankful uh, for that. Uh, defensive line, um, is the depth there to be able to excel in the SEC? Well, I mean, argument. the argument would be, Jordy, did they excel this year, right? I mean, I, I don't – I mean, Makai Wingo played extremely well. Yes, so he you did. gotta give him you gotta give him that. You got Mason Smith returning. But I think Paris Shand and uh, you know, all all the other ones that will be coming into this add a lot of depth. So Jalen Lee, the kid from Lava, Jordy, he won't be he won't start. Unless something bad happens 
or he really transitions, he won't start, okay? But what does he do? He gives you 10 to 15 plays where he can easily come in and give you a rotational piece that you really need. Jordy, the number one defensive, interior defensive tackle that played the most snaps in the country this season was Makai Wingo. More than Jalen Carter, more than any of those dudes. Right. You gotta get him, you gotta give him more rest. So I think that they now have more of a rotational piece. The one thing that Ed did, Ed recruited the D line really well for elite talent. What Ed did not do, Ed did not get the rotational pieces in here. So, I mean, he did, you gotta give him credit. He got a lot of good dudes. Problem was he just didn't get enough depth at that position. Which now LSU's having to, you know, go in and get. But I think that they have it here. I, I think the defense has really rebuilt and retooled in a good way. Okay. The question is, is how quickly can they, you know, all come into this? Now, here's the biggest key in all this. There's a young man by the name of Deshaun Womack who signed with LSU and will be right. in, in Baton Rouge, I think, what, in a week. Okay. Jordan, he, he has the I'm telling you, he has the potential to be Harold Perkins. Okay. He, he is that type of dude. So when he comes off the edge and he might not start a lot early, he has that potential to be the best freshman pass rusher in the country. I think with him coming in, you add another piece to that defensive line where if you needed him to, he could put his hand in the dirt, he can stand up. He's going to be that rotational piece that continues to give you those breaks on the outside. I like what Jamar Kane's doing here. And by the way, I will tell you, they're not done. Justin Rogers, 6'4", 330 pounds, visited this past weekend. Jordy, if they get him, it's over. Meaning with the <laughs> D-line, they don't have to do anything else. Because okay. <laughs> now you have the pieces where you can run the defense that Matt House wants to run. There's not a lot of individuals at 6'4", 330 pounds that lead the SEC in tackles for a loss. Okay? You get him. Now, Alabama's on him. Okay, let's not get this twisted. He's right. been offered by Ole Miss, Auburn, uh, uh, Miami, Alabama, LSU, Texas, Texas A&M. Literally, he went the portal, Jordy. Within five minutes, he had that many offers from all where, of them. Where, where did he so, play college ball? He was at Kentucky. So at Kentucky. The, okay. th- the big thing about Kentucky was, and so as the game with Georgia and TCU happens tonight, everybody asks, well, why did Georgia struggle with, with Kentucky? Well, Justin Rogers made that really good offensive line look putrid. Okay, Cedric Van Pran, who is, is from Louisiana, he, right. he ate their lunch all night long. And so if you get him, then you start looking at, it, okay, well, is this defensive line one of the best in the SEC? But you got to land him first. Okay, makes sense. Um, we're talking uh, LSU football with Blake Rafino. Uh, now to his cup of tea, the offensive line. Um, Anthony Bradford, uh, did that surprise you? And where is this offensive line now? Um, surprise me? No, not necessarily. Well, I don't know. I was just not anticipating. I thought he could have used another year, but Jordan, I mean, he's been here a long time now. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, he's he's been here a while. So, at, at some going point, to school. you know, yeah, and, and there comes a point. So, so tackles usually come back and centers usually come back. Guards do not. Why? 
guards, a guard shelf life is so much, I don't know, what the, lower than everybody else's because they do get hit every play. Okay? Where a tackle can just, you know, push and, and might have a, a smaller, uh, you know, stand-up guy, a guard is facing J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald every play. Okay? So I don't hate the decision. Now, here comes the ultimate thing. You move Emory Jones into right guard, hypothetically. Zelancer comes in. You convince you convince Zelancer to play right tackle. Now I will tell you, if, the, if he if he if he is even a half of what everybody anticipates, if he's Will Campbell at right tackle, Jordan, uh-huh. you're, you're you're cooking with grease. Okay, yeah. I, I mean because there's not maybe outside of center. But I, I I I can make the argument that I think Marlon Martinez should start there. That's just me. But I, I think that they've I, – I, I want to be careful. I think this is the best offensive line that they're going to have since 2019. I think I can make the argument that if Lance Hurd comes in and does what he needs to do, Jordy, I think I can make the argument that the best offensive line since 2010. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so – but you still got that one piece that you got to land down, okay? And that's right tackle. LSU has not had a really good right tackle or a tackle like the Lance Hurd probably since. Mm, I, I guess I'll just say Lowell Collins. Really, I mean, okay. Will Campbell is more of a Whitworth where you get a Lowell Collins in a a the Lance Hurd. So I think it's an upgrade again. You move Emory Jones into right guard in his natural position, it will be a lot easier for him because he's not having to, to run with those. You know, he, he, he never he never should have played right tackle, and, and Brian Kelly knows that. So I think you get a lot better there, and, and really and truthfully, you get a little bit more speed, to be honest, um, oh. moving him there and letting Zelenser be there. So it, it, you get power and speed combo, so I, I like it. Now, the only other question will be, do you move do you move Emory Jones to left guard and let him and Will Campbell just tag team everything? If you do that, the sky's the limit for those two young men. They'll be the best left tackle, left guard combo in the SEC. It won't be close. But you got but they gotta grow a little bit. I think Emory Jones and, and Will Campbell, that if I had to choose, I would put them left guard, left tackle. That's just me. Kind of like it. Kind of like it. Um, Blake Rafino with us. Uh, this may be blasphemous because everybody talks about the skill set that all that these wide receivers have. I am of the strong belief and opinion that LSU needs to find a go-to guy. They got to find like like Ohio State has Marvin Harrison Jr. TCU. I can't remember his name, but the big, tall, six-four. Everybody knows. Everybody knows they're going to throw it to them, and they still make the plays. I don't know if LSU has that yet. I really don't. Well, you got to give Malik Nabors a lot of credit, Jordy. He was number two in the uh, number two in receiving yards in the SEC, number one in catches. The crazy thing is, is he had the most quiet seventy-five catch season in LSU yeah. history. Yes. Okay. Now here's the thing. Outside of Malik, take, take Malik Nabors out. For just a second. And you can even add him in. It doesn't matter. This is what LSU wide receiver core. Remember when everybody said they're the best position group on the team? No, they're not. 
No, they were number one. In, they were number one in the SEC in drops. Yeah, Kayshawn Booty w- led the country, doubled, doubled the percentage of drops. He was thirteen point one percent drop rate. So every time mm. that you threw it at him, he was a thirteen percent chance he was going to drop it. Led Mm-mm. the country, doubled it from the number two guy. Okay, LSU's percentage of drops was the highest in not just the SEC in the country, but they didn't lead technically in the statistic because they didn't throw it as much as everybody else. My my point being is everybody wants to make them out as the best wide receiver group in you know or the best position group on the team. I don't somebody's think somebody's gonna have to. Sh- yeah, it's not. It's I know. Not. I, it, it, I, really, I don't it have, really isn't. You know what the best position group on the team is? Quarterback. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. That do they keep the them? Do they keep them all? The that is not remotely close. Yeah. So when you get to when you get to a point where everybody says, "Oh, well, start Garrett Nussmeyer because the wide receiver group is the best group on the you know on this no. team." No, it's not. No. And, no. If it, and if it is, you're going to have to start showing me that you are. Now, yeah. here's the crazy thing. Jordy, did you know Garrett Nussmeyer and Jane Daniels statistically were better without Kayshawn Booty on the field than when they when he was on the field? I thought Kayshawn Booty they, was a cancer to that team. I'm with you. Well, I, I mean, Jordy, they threw the ball for 74% completion percentage. They had They had more yards per catch or yak yardage from the receivers and also – they had more first downs when throwing the football with him off the field than on the field. Hmm. Yeah. Look, um, at some point, at some point, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. You know, when you, the, the problem is, is when you use statistics to validate a point, you have to be able to use, articulate what's going on. I, look, Malik Neighbors was the number one wide receiver on this team. He, he showed out, he showed up. Can he continue to progress as we've seen these receivers do before? I think Aaron Anderson is a massive addition. I think that you can you can use him in so many different ways. I think you use Jalen Brown, the kid from Miami. Jordy, he was a, he was damn near the Under Armour All American MVP. Okay, they have weapons there now. The thing is, now you have a situation where. You go into 19 where you're not relying on a guy like Kayshawn Booty so much that you just can you you can throw it to whoever and come down with it. I think that that's the route that they need to go. And if somebody bursts out, because Jordy, the crazy thing is when I remember the Oklahoma game when Jamar Chase got doubled, Jefferson had four touchdown catches. Okay. You got to be able to have not just a, a guys that you can just simply rely on, and yeah. right now they have not shown that they can do that on a on a snap in snap out basis. We got to run. Uh, we've talked. I loved it. We'll continue this next time, big guy. But thank you so much. But we're running up against the clock. In fact, I'm over the clock. See you next time, buddy. Take care. Later, Jordy. All right, we'll take a quick timeout and wrap it all up after this on the Jordy Helper Show. 
All right, birthday wishes time. If today, January 9th, is your birthday, well, happy birthday from all of us at the game to all of you. You share yours with uh, the golfer, Sergio Garcia, who is 43. God, don't you think he's older than that? He's 43. And he was only five foot three, but he had a 14 year NBA career. Happy 58th birthday to my man, Muggsy Bogues. Defied all odds. Five foot three. Unbelievable. Uh, special thanks to our guests, Kiss Rose Baglu, Glenn West, Adam Spencer, Blake Rafino. Uh, more stuff coming down the pipeline tomorrow. We'll keep you abreast. We'll recap the national championship game. I do believe Georgia wins, but I'm taking TCU and the points. So until tomorrow, James Mesh, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for listening and our partners. We couldn't do it without you. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Uh, stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody.